Really? Human resources, how can I help you? You have a question. You're wondering why we sent you an email saying we will no longer continue your application. Can I get your last name, please? Oh, see, this is what happened. You failed to turn in a drug test. So unfortunately, when you don't turn in a drug test, the system will automatically not continue your application. That sucks. I understand things happen, but there's really nothing we can do about it. See, we did give you 24 hours to turn in the drug test, and it's been 24 hours and 5 seconds that you needed to turn it in, and you did not turn it in. I understand things happen, but there's really nothing we, There's nothing I can do about it. The system and the policy says you have to turn in the drug test during the time. So we no longer will continue your application. I'm sorry about that. I understand. Well, you have a good one. And gentlemen, we are back for yet another amazing episode of the world-famous HR Talk. Big shout-out right there at the start of the show today. Going out to Jesus Nogales. Jesus Nogales from the TikTok, the human resource champion of the world. Humor right in the palm of his hand. We'd love to have you on one of these days, Jesus. Jesus has been a big name in the show lately. So we figured we'd finally highlight you this week, brother. Welcome back, everyone. I'm JC. It's been a uh, it's been a very busy week um, with with everything that's going on in the world. I I regret to inform all of you uh, that at this time we did receive a resignation notice from our co-host Ricky Baez. Uh, we put a tracking device on his vehicle over the week to try to find him, and. Uh, Unfortunately, he's he's not been found yet. Um, we we really hope that he's doing okay. Uh, that there's, I I don't know if he's he's gone off the grid completely uh, for the the holiday season, or if there's something more that's that's happening at hand. But it. Oh wait a minute, wait a minute. Face of the franchise said he might find him. Let's check the caller ID real quick. Oh, yeah, it's car insurance. Okay. Ricky, is this you or is this auto warranty repair? This is the only way I can get a hold of you is by letting you know <laughs> that your car extended warranty is about to expire, and I want to extend it again. I thought that was you. You know what's funny about nowadays, man? You know, you go ahead, you start blocking numbers left and right because those calls keep coming into your house. And next thing you know, you're blocking your friend's phone number and you can't call each other. I appreciate you calling the landline today. Yeah, but yeah, that's a great sound effect because uh, I love how, how old school your phone is. It- <laughs> oh, hang on. I think I have call waiting. I don't that's really <laughs> rotary dial call waiting. Oh, Gotta love really? that. You remember yeah, those man. old phones that used to be on the wall? And the cord was like 30 feet long and you'd be trying to run around to the microwave that was as large as your refrigerator just to get some oatmeal going, you know. But and that was the worst because those things were like 15 feet long. 
those 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 little you know springy extension cords and then when you bring it back in you get into all these weird knots there is not a phd in the world who can do that in under 10 minutes that is ridiculous forget rubik's cube just extend that phone cord and try to put it back the way it was i'll never forget many many years ago uh after there was a new administrative assistant onboarded into the department that i was in uh she sat down and started to untangle that cord and she got super excited around the holidays the one year because they went ahead and bought one of those small adapters that went on the bottom that would rotate that would help uh, prevent yeah, the yeah. tangling anymore, you know? But it was like uh, one of those customer service phone lines where, like, you know, it's just, it's it's spun around and wound together no matter what. Hey, man, uh, sure welcome it. back to uh, our show. It's a pleasure to see you. How you been? Man, been good. It's just, It's been a good week. Been a good week, JC. Guess what I did this morning. Uh, I had coffee. Yeah, yes, yes. All right, keep going. You're doing good. Yeah, Getting I have warm. no idea. What'd you do? Work out? You took a jog? No, no, man. Actually, woke up, had some coffee, had some breakfast, stepped outside to my backyard, and I saw a rocket go into freaking space. Oh, that's the cool. Time. Yeah, and I love when that happens. Seriously, I forgot about it. I go out back, and I'm like, oh, that's right. There's a rocket launch. We've had so many in the past six months here in Orlando that we're like, oh, all right. It's just like a regular bus stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just so cool just going out to your backyard, watching that go back up, and then you know, just letting the capsule go and the rocket come back right to the spot it took off from. It's freaking awesome. Dude, really one of the coolest things I have is when I go outside, um, there's nothing but depression, despair, and snow. So it's a total contrast. To what you're living in down in Florida. New yes. York is radically different. Really is. It really well, you know what? Maybe you guys need to get some Elon Musk up there. You know, to bring uh to <laughs> Well, he moved to Texas. I so love I how you pretty- say it like it's a cologne. I love that. I really do. <laughs> I really, really do. Hey, uh, while we're on the topic of you saying inspirational things. Quotes let you see life from another perspective. They can expand the mind and awareness. These are inspirational quotes. Let's kick you back. Never ever took bacon without a shirt on. Trust me. Never cook your bacon without a shirt on. Definitely something to remember while you're at the office as well. Thanks, Rick. Ouch. Let me tell you, man, I did it this morning. Ouch. <laughs> in the office? I'm not in the office. Oh, okay. At home. At home. You know, I, I was speaking about the office, and, you know, a lot of people aren't there right now, but I could remember back to a time when we would actually go to an office, and um, people would go down to that lunchroom, and they would cook their favorite fish in the morning, you know, or reheat something like, you know, tuna and scallops with egg sauce. And I'm like, what is that odor? You know, what is that odor? You're going to yeah. love it. Terrible things. Terrible times. That's, that's when you're fired. You don't do stuff like that. No, you won't get fired no. for that, would you? Uh, well, I, don't, I know somebody who has. Who got fired <laughs> for making food in the break room? No, someone got. Actually, you know what? I take it back. I take it back. Uh, someone got fired. Or toasting the um, the uh, bagels a little bit too long, and the uh, smoke 
let off the smoke detector and the whole building had to evacuate on the day they were doing a launch. It was not a good day. Oh, man. <laughs> it really was not. They were doing a product launch that day. We had some guests in. Everybody, all because the bagels were uh, a setting a little bit too high and instead of the, uh, the uh, smoke alarm. Oh, yeah. That's not a good time. That's a bad yeah. look. That's a bad <laughs> look. Tell me about it. Hey, no, but he, here's the funny part. Hold on. Here's the funny me. part. Yeah. So that person got let go, right? And the next thing you know, no more toasters in the entire building ever, ever. So they took away all the toasters. So now I can't have a freshly toasted bagel because somebody decided to use setting six before instead of setting four. So that's not fair for everybody else. Talk about blanket policies. You're that California, New York. They wanted to get rid of a coffee pot at a previous employer that I was at that was within the department. For the sole reason that if you went to the break room, you could buy into the regular coffee pot fund with everybody else. So they made a okay. big deal how you can't trust these coffee pots. And we had a standard routine amongst the team. Make sure you go around and turn the coffee pot off after you're done making the coffee. Pretty okay. simple, pretty easy. A lot of people aren't drinking the coffee into the afternoon. They're gearing up to get done with work and finish up their cognac and go have a brandy at the bar. Whatever it may be. It was a very interesting place to work. It was like in the 70s. Like you would go in to talk to your boss and he'd put out a cigarette on your forearm because you did a good <laughs> job, you know? You're part of the team now, kid. You know? So <laughs> we leave for the weekend and come back to a, a huge mess because the coffee pot was on the entire weekend and was just smoldering the entire time. Like what are the old percolators? And we all says, the entire team never touched the coffee pot. How did this happen? We don't know. But you could go down to the break room and subscribe to our coffee club. And we're like, oh, you sneaky little bastards, you. So nobody was allowed to have coffee unless you're part of the coffee club from that day forward. I still believe in a conspiracy behind that one. I wonder if that's protected under Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act. Break that down. If only certain people can have coffee and other people can't, and the people who can't is a protected class, although that has nothing to do with the action of work. Well, it's I the appliance. But the, the appliance lives in the break room, and they, they want it done through there. And if you wanted a certain type of coffee, you would get it through them or supply it to them, I would presume. I don't know. Never never thought that there was a potential <laughs> well, I mean, Title it, seven it, issue associated with the coffee you choose, but you have a point. What if somebody says only white people can have this coffee? That would be a huge issue. Right yeah, now. that's not a good look either. No, no it's, not, it's not a good look at all. Hey, but it's got. Uh-huh. Speaking yeah. about not good looks, after uh-huh. someone blows a whistle, are they a good look in the office? Uh, I mean, there's the theory of what's supposed to happen, and then there's what really does happen. Okay, <laughs> right? so what's what's the theory if someone blows a whistle and returns to work? What's supposed to happen? There's not going to be a parade. There's no red carpet. There isn't. isn't. The idea is that that person who blows that whistle is supposed to be protected. There's no retaliation. If there is a whistleblower policy, there has to be a a no retaliation policy. But you know what? What happens is, is when you really do go back to work, I mean, you are subject to the court of public opinion as well. Right. So your colleagues. May look at you different. Your bosses may look at you different. Your boss's colleagues may look at you different. That's something you have to consider before you decide to blow that whistle. What if the whistle is slightly controversial, like this nurse out of New York State who is now choosing to blow the whistle and it is spreading like wildfire on TikTok? There were doctors that were right.
writing patients off as dead with the time of death, paperwork done before they were even dead. And then telling us nurses, don't code them, they're gonna die anyway. The orders were coming down from Cuomo, essentially, and they were going to the administrators. The administrators, they all knew what was going on. And, and that's why they, they would threaten us so hard that if we said anything, we would immediately go home. You know, we were all on gag orders, why? There are more and more medical professionals speaking up about this. And, you know, eventually there's gonna be too many of us to ignore. And I hope- That's the end of the clip. Um, she couldn't find a better place to record that. I mean, like a closet or something. Well, you know, people get scared that their videos are going to get taken down. So that's a video of a video. And that was uh, put out on TikTok by Linz Windle, L-I-N-Z-W-I-N-D-L, as she was recording the screen of somebody else talking. This nurse out of New York making a self-attestation of whistleblowing amidst the COVID crisis. So, so, so let, let's let's put ourselves in her mentality at this point, right? So she says, "This is wrong. These numbers are being botched. I've got to say something about it." Oh, it's not just numbers being; it's coding people dead before they're dead. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's it's like sacrifice of life. Alive. It's well, <laughs> I don't. I mean, so wait, where is this going? Is this going that the numbers are being botched or the doctors are in some kind of underground market where they just code them dead, kill them later, and just harvest the organs for sale? Well, I don't think she said that, but your mind oh, does go to an interesting place. <laughs> yeah, if, well, if we're, anyone needs a writer for Criminal Minds, call Ricky Baez. <laughs> you know? Don't talk to me my cousins. <laughs> <laughs> we got stories. Yeah, no, but um, it's, it's pretty intriguing to get that firsthand account from a nurse in the hospitals being told to code the patient's dead before they've even passed. So here's the thing, right? If I was her HR person, what I would tell her is, look, it's, it's be careful what you're doing here. I'm not going to talk you off the ledge from blowing the whistle. This is your right. You do what you need to do. But consider these, these, these points. A, do you have evidence? Because if you blow this whistle, you don't have any evidence. You're going to get all the anguish of blowing the whistle and people looking at you differently. And there's no return on investment, quote unquote, right? Because they really have nothing to go off of. So if you're going to go down this route you and if you're going to experience that anguish and be subject to the court of public opinion, opinion at the very least, bring some evidence to really sway people's mind and, 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 and just really throw some shade on the benefit of the doubt. So that's what I will tell that person. Now, at the end of the day, if they still want to do it, go right ahead. But it's uh, it's people are going to look at you differently. Unfortunately, that is the reality. Nothing you can do there. Nothing you can but, do. I mean, it, it, it's <laughs> so now what's going to happen to her? Either she's going to become famous because some celebrities are going to hop on that same bandwagon and then she doesn't have to work anymore or no celebrities, quote unquote, pick that up. And next thing you know, she's going to have an even harder time at work. So was it worth it at that point? You know, at the end of the day, what what the person has to think about is what's right for them at that moment. And really think about once you start uttering those words, what your life is going to look like after that. With that being really said, have- I am not going to read the next story. Back over to you. Well, why, why not? I, come no, on. I'm second guessing uttering the words I was about to read from this uh, news article that we have here. It just threaded together uh, so nicely, but I'm scared. On the edge. Oh, you can do it. It ain't going to happen to you, man. There's no retaliation. HR talk has a no retaliation clause. And that's because we don't have any money or funders or sponsors or anything. 
People don't need to know that. I'm just saying there's no retaliation clause. Jeez, bro. Damn, putting our finances out there. LifeSiteNews.com, title of the article, founder of vaccine safety website, Ex Pharma Insider, was unfortunately found dead. If something were to happen to me, Brandy Vaughn wrote in late 2019, it's foul play, and you know exactly who and why. December 15, 2020. LifeSite News, written by Emily. Stop by their website. Check this out. We will not read the article verbatim. Just share it a little bit for educational and informational purposes here. Brandy Vaughn, a former sales executive for the pharmaceutical company Merck and founder of the LearnTheRisk.org website, which is dedicated to educating people on the risks associated with vaccines, was apparently found dead by her nine-year-old son on December 8th. Oh my God. According to Children's Health Defense, Vaughn is reported to have died of gallbladder complications. Although the source of the report has not been cited, nor has it shared the specific cause of the complications, such as a gallbladder rupture. Soon after learning of her death, a friend of Vaughn's, Erin Elizabeth, shared screenshots of a Facebook post that Vaughn had written in December of 2019, in which she assured readers she was not suicidal, did not take any drugs that would cause her to die suddenly. Quote, the post I wish I didn't have to write, but given certain tragedies over the last couple of years, I feel it's absolutely necessary to post these 10 facts. Please screenshot this for the record. I have a huge mission in this life, even when they make it very difficult and scary, I would never take my own life, period. And she gives a list of like 10 things or so that basically states um, her kids mean the world to her. She's never been on antidepressants. She doesn't take pharmaceutical drugs. She's in top-notch health. Uh, she feels that people are after her. So basically, uh, the the article... It's a very deep and very, very tough article uh, to read and, and get into. I, I do recommend the reading of it if, if you're so inclined. Long story short, she was looking into things and, and hit this tipping point when it came to, like, some vaccines. Okay. And took her child in for vaccination. She was worried about autism or secondary effects and her being a, um, a pharmaceutical professional herself asked for the insert so that she could read what was in there as she was starting to investigate more and more about potential side effects of things to make an informed decision. And the doctor got very upset. One thing led to another. So the story continues on to the point where she, she was finding direct links and causes to cancer with certain products that people would use and or vaccinations that were available out there. She wanted to make it more known. She wanted to keep people safe. She was trying to present a different perspective. Her house kept getting broke into. She installed security cameras and, I'm sorry, security systems. And the house was still broken into after that. Uh, she felt her phone calls were being listened to. There were people jumping in and moving things around in her house. It's a very, very deep story, Rick. There's, there's a lot to this. We're, we're, we're missing a crucial piece of evidence here, JC. Do you happen to know, or does the story happen to reference any situation where she recently, in the past 90 days, have given a negative review on eBay? Oh, jeez. You went back I'm to that. I'm just saying. You're killing I'm just me. saying. 
Because that's what it said. I mean, does it not sound like that eBay story? It sounds just like that eBay story. So, so here's a little bit of a quote for you. Um, she explained during a wellness visit for her son, a doctor, stormed out of the room when she asked to see the vaccine insert. There was a huge red flag for me, knowing what I knew from being a pharmaceutical sales representative before. I started to do my own research into vaccines and the ingredients and the flawed safety data. Part of what she discovered is that aluminum is a major um, adjuvant in vaccines, which was another big red flag for her. When her grandmother was diagnosed with breast cancer, the doctor found high levels of aluminum in her tissues. He told her that the aluminum found in traditional deodorant was linked to breast cancer. Quote, the more I dug into this, what I realized was vaccines are not for public health. It's really about pharmaceutical company profit. It's basically playing Russian roulette with our children and our lives. And the story goes on and on and on and on. There's, uh, It's a deep one. Uh, whether you're for vaccines, against vaccines, whatever the case may be, uh, she's no longer with us to talk about it. People believe that something was foul at play here. And the article was just released the other day on the heels of the coronavirus vaccine coming out. So uh, timing all the way around here. Yeah. Well, you know what, though, JC, because it, it's... <laughs> If you, she felt compelled to let people know I'm perfectly healthy, I won't do this because she, she saw something or some kind of pattern in previous stories. So if you see these patterns and you feel the need to put things out there for people to screenshot to show that whatever happens to you later on, um, it's not any of these things, then why continue in that search? Is it really worth it if that's the case? Why keep digging if you if you dig if, if you're looking for just regular information yeah. and you dig and you find some crap you're like whoa why continue just stop right because you know you know how you're gonna end up I mean right I'm not blaming her I'm not blaming her at all I feel bad that and God even worse that her nine year old found her I mean come on dude it's it, it's then don't keep digging if 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 I saw some things like that I'm like uh, I'm going back to the Mandalorian forget this. <laughs> I want to go to work tomorrow <laughs> and I want to I want to enjoy Christmas and all these things. But overall, it's just a sad story. So really uh, two two offshoots from this um, heading back to where we began with the whistleblower thing, talking about the nurse in New York yeah. State. If if someone is attempting to blow the whistle on your company and they're not mm -hmm. associated with your company whatsoever, mm -hmm. is there policy or legal recourse or things that could come into play or do you don the black vests and, and rappel into their room like uh, the ebay stuff that we were talking about a couple weeks ago <laughs> so that's a good question right it, it's uh the surveillance oxley act uh or also known as socks it does protect people when they when they sound the whistle on any kind of those issues what i don't know i would have to to uh to research here in a bit is if you have to be an employee or not because it could be somebody from the outside um, that says, hey, your company's doing A, B, and C. If I was the HR director for a company and a customer came in and said, hey, these things are happening, I would definitely investigate it because whether they're a customer or not, it doesn't matter. He's talking about, he or she's talking about something that happened in my organization. I have a responsibility and do need to act. Now, if one of my associates or one of my senior leaders started retaliating against this customer because of that, I am going to hold that manager accountable. Because our policy should read, there is no retaliation, no harassment of any kind 
I will leave it vague enough to where it doesn't only limit it to the associates or the employees or the managers. It would associate, it would it would it would um leave it open to anybody, any kind of harassment. So that's why these policies need to be vague enough so you can go ahead and adjust as needed because as 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 the deeper you get, the more specific you get, the bigger the loophole you leave open. So leave it vague enough to where it helps whatever mission you're trying to accomplish. Strong words from a strong man, Ricky Baez. Who cooked bacon without a shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> that hurts, man. It hurts. Yeah, that was a tough <laughs> article to bounce out of, uh, but the two kind of threaded well together there. Uh, there's a, there, Look, just off the cuff, there's a lot going on. We have articles up the wazoo that associate producer Rob had cultivated for us, as well as a few yeah. others. Uh, we have a junior associate in training as well who grabbed a few in regards to uh, the coronavirus vaccines here for us. Loving and, this. And uh, there's, there's a whole lot going on. We all know it. If you're watching the mainstream news, you already know the vaccines are being rolled out. Uh, employees are being encouraged to take it all over the country right now. Um, health workers are are getting emergency treatment uh, after receiving some vaccines in certain areas, like up in Alaska. One of one of the uh, two workers, uh, two workers specifically, received emergency treatment after getting the Pfizer vaccine due to some reactions that they had. Um, health workers, that is. And one of the workers didn't have a system, um, I'm sorry, a history of allergies. However, at the same time, it's, it's quite successful for many others. The debate on the vaccine being genuine or not genuine, we're, we're not those guys that are going to debate that. <laughs> I'm not going to head down that path. You know, okay. there's there's a lot of people with a lot of strong opinions on this one, Rick, as to whether or not they're going to take it, uh, whether or not they, they feel they need it. Uh, there's still a lot of people debating whether or not the earth is flat. So I, <laughs> you know, I'm staring, staring clear of all that, you know, JC, are you not concerned? Uh, it, it's, I'm going to take a step, a uh, step back here. Are you not concerned with the amount of misinformation that's going on that people actually do believe? And mainly I'm talking about the flat earthers. I mean, every, every, everywhere, that I research anything about because I find that whole topic fascinating. Not whether the Earth is flat, right? But how many people actually believe that notion? And it's they have a humongous following, a huge following. Are you not concerned at the future of our country, really, uh, of people who really believe that the Earth is flat? And what are they teaching their kids? And then how are they multiplying? Next thing you know, in 20 years, we may find there's more people who who believe the earth is flat than not. If if we keep this up. So does that concern you at all? And at the same or time, like, nah, every, everyone's just like buried in their phones uh, and people are ignoring the human to their left or right. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I like to get back to a little more simplicity at some point, you know, when I'm allowed to go out of my house and go to a restaurant. You know. Well, you know what? Um, <laughs> ever seen the movie Mad Max? Life was simple back then, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I mean, they had no phones. They had no bills to pay. Yeah, you had to find your own food. And then uh, Mel Gibson had to eat uh, Alpo. For those of you who don't know, that's dog food. But uh, Mel Gibson had to eat Alpo. But, yeah, life was simple then. I, I think we're going to get to a point that we're going to get to that. And that is 
the world's way of controlling all delete and resetting the computer. Talking about life being simple, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said Tuesday that all restaurants and bars in the state of Florida will be allowed to operate at full capacity for the rest of the COVID-19 pandemic. DeSantis allowed restaurants to fully reopen back in September. Now, more than four times as many Floridians are getting infected with coronavirus every single day, and DeSantis isn't changing his menu, according to the South Florida Sun Sentinel report. End quote. I I go out to eat every week, only to restaurants that follow COVID COVID um, uh, uh, policies to the T. I don't uh, uh, spend my money, and I don't uh, I don't give my money to businesses who don't follow those regulations. That's the best way you can combat it. Leave restaurants open as long as they have sensible policies and people exercise common sense. That's the only way this is going to work. But to shut everything down just because what a small number of people are going to do is not going to work neither. I mean, we keep bringing this up on the show, but California and New York are crazy. They're freaking crazy. And then they're they're destroying lives. All right. They're so really, so we've we've beat this one to death quite yeah, a bit um, yeah. over the past few weeks, literally. To kind of put a little bit of a close on this, uh, Kimberly-esque, again from TikTok, talking about uh, her COVID Christmas. So, this is going to be fun. I just found out that my boss's husband has tested positive for COVID-19. He was naturally immediately pulled out from work, and we'll get her test results tomorrow. Why does this terrify me? I mean, other than the fact that I don't want her to have it. She does have it. Regardless if I test positive or not, I'm pulled off work for a week minimum. I am the single mother of two children. It is two weeks before Christmas, and I have no sick time left. Which, you know, would be a great way to just end up this year. I started off this All right, we're going to cut the clip right there because the audio really sucks. She's basically saying that her boss got COVID. The business is being shut down for the holidays uh, she was a private business owner at the start of all this. She now works for someone else. Heading into the holiday season, there's no work. There's nothing that could be done. That's that's that. That's where it's at. And she's talking Christmas, COVID, no work, no money. Her particular situation. She's sharing it with the world. So wait, am I understanding this properly? So even if the boss didn't get COVID, the the the, the office wouldn't shut down. We don't know what type of business it is. She never defines that. Maybe it's a small business or maybe just a few people, maybe operations stop. But that instantly gets my head thinking about like continuity of operations, right? I mean, at at some point, if people could still perform the tasks, shouldn't something be slightly interchangeable to keep the business going? But it really depends on what the business is, right? Yeah, it does. Because if they're working from home, Right. If everybody's working from home and the boss tested positive, then it shouldn't affect anybody else because they're working from home. So even if the boss tested positive and the boss is asymptomatic, she can still work. Doesn't matter. Right. They're doing it from home. Now, if they're essential workers and they're and they're at the office and the boss tested positive and if she was asymptomatic and anybody that's been in contact with her, that's when contact tracing comes into play at work. And and we do that quite a bit. We start talking to people who they have come, who, who have come in contact with this person, and we tell them, you, you've been in contact with somebody. I'm not going to tell you who. Now, they could put two and two together, but they're not going to get that name from me. We're not going to tell you who. We highly encourage you to go get tested. Here you go. Let me know what you get. And if they get tested, they come back negative. All right, come back to work. You're good. If they come out positive, they have to quarantine. 
we got to quarantine them. And then they, they can use vacation time, sick time, and depending on what state you're in, um, then the state can, can kick some money in. Yes, JC, go ahead. The EEOC uh, updated their technical assistance questions and answers on the website uh, eeoc.gov about what you should know related to COVID-19, the ADA, the Rehabilitation Act, and other EEO laws updated December 16, 2020. Big shout out to some of our legal friends on on all the different social media platforms for sharing this forward. It's a very long read. It's going to take you maybe about 45 minutes to an hour to get through. I'd uh, like to move forward directly to one specific one right here, D13. Is an employee entitled to an accommodation under the ADA in order to avoid exposing a family member who is at higher risk of severe illness from COVID-19 due to an underlying medical condition? Now, this one dates back to June, and the response is no. Although the ADA prohibits discrimination based on association with an individual with a disability, that protection is limited to disparate treatment or harassment. The ADA does not require that an employer accommodate an employee without a disability based on the disability-related needs of a family member or other person with whom she is associated. For example, an employee without a disability is not entitled under the ADA to telework as an accommodation in order to protect a family member with a disability from potential COVID-19 exposure. Of course, an employer is free to provide such flexibilities if it chooses to do so. An employer choosing to offer additional flexibilities beyond what the law requires should be careful not to engage in disparate treatment on a protected EEO basis. Over to you, Rick. I was waiting for that last part because um, I'm afraid that pizza at some point people not all some people who, who who just heard that they'll think look the law says i don't have to to do anything so i won't there's 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 my my free hall pass to just let people go left and right and no that's just what the law says right so the law's got nothing to do with you trying to be or not be an a-hole right so don't be an a-hole you know if you have somebody in that predicament let them work from home if if you can, let them work from home. But that last piece you said is crucial, JC. You, you, if you decide to do that, to go above and beyond what the law does, don't get yourself on the wrong side of the law if you only allow that to some people and not others. And the people who you don't allow it to are a protected class. So if you decide to pull that trigger, you have to be sure that you, that you have the capabilities and the infrastructure to support everybody to work from home if that's something you choose to do. So. So D, D goes back to the June time frame. We're going to immediately skip forward to K, and we're going to stay in the Ks here for just a brief moment. And okay. we're not going to belabor this. It's a fantastic read. If if uh, you're doing your job on a daily basis, you need a little more info. Uh, seriously, like prior to consulting with your uh, employment labor attorney, taking a look uh -huh. at these uh, these here and, and deciphering that with your HR lens is definitely beneficial. I'm going to give you K6 through K-9 as topics, and you tell me which one you want to hear. Okay, Rick? Mm -hmm. So K-6, so, if an employer requires vaccinations when they're available, how should it respond to an employee who indicates that he or she is unable to receive a COVID-19 vaccine because of a sincerely held religious practice or belief? There's K-6. K-7, what happens if an employer cannot exempt or provide a reasonable accommodation to an employee who cannot comply with a mandatory vaccination policy because of a disability or sincerely held religious practice or belief. Once again, that's K-7. K-8, 
Gina. Okay, aid is Title II of Gina, implicated when an employer administers a COVID-19 vaccine to employees or requires employees to provide proof that they have received the COVID-19 vaccine. And then K-9, does asking an employee the pre-vaccination screening questions before administering a COVID-19 vaccine implicate Title II of Gina? Which one would you like to hear and get into? K-6 and 7, they're almost the same thing. It's only differentiating factor is the disability piece. So... Six and seven. K6, if the employer requires the vaccine when they're available, how should it respond to an employee who indicates that he or she is unable to receive a COVID-19 vaccination because of a sincerely held religious practice or belief? Dated 12-6 of 2020. It currently states here, once an employer is on notice that an employee's sincerely held religious belief, practice, or observance prevents the employee from receiving the vaccination, the employer must provide a reasonable accommodation for the religious belief, practice, or observance until it will pose an undue hardship under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. That's seven. That's Title Seven, right, Rick? VII. VII is Title Seven. Yes, sir. Whew, so close. Okay. <laughs> Courts have defined unique hardship under Title VII as having more than uh, de minimis cost or burden to or on. Sorry cost or burden on the employer. EEOC guidance explains that because the definition of religion is broad and protects beliefs, practices, and observances with which the employer may be unfamiliar, the employer should ordinarily assume that an employee's request for religious accommodation is based on a sincerely held religious belief. Mm -hmm. If, however, an employee requests a religious accommodation and an employer has an objective basis for questioning either the religious nature or the sincerity of a particular belief, practice, or observance, the employer would be justified in requesting additional supporting information. K6. <laughs> oh, buddy. We're going to hold buddy. off on K7. Back to you. Is that a rabbit hole, man? Employers, be careful. What do you mean? Be, be careful. What do you mean because it's a rabbit hole? It's in it's writing. A rabbit hole. All right. So, so here's what's going on. Like, let's say, let's fast forward. Let's say your your employer. Let's say you work at a call center. You work at a call center, right? And then your employer Ooh. says, Ooh. "Yes, maybe the call center sells auto insurance." Ah, uh, no, no extended warranty. Extended warranties. Oh God, got Come it, on, dude. Got like, it. That's Thank the you. Wrong call center. Yeah. Okay. So no, look. Here's the thing. Um, if if you work at a call center that sells extended warranties and all you do is call people and bother the living crap out of them every day, the best thing you can do is, are you calling now? What is this? I want to see if they pick up. Oh, are you calling them? Yeah. yeah. We're going to ask them about, re yes, uh, we'd like to talk to you about religious accommodation. Well, we're not. Somebody to the warranty people. We should call them live. I am. How come they're not answering? Well, I thought someone answered. Hello? They hung up. They hung uh, up. That's it. Yeah. My Honda Sonata's extended warranty is fired, guys. <laughs> come right. on. My Down the rabbit hole, K6. Down the rabbit right, hole. Look, here's the thing, bro. So, okay. Um, 
call center environment. Somebody comes in and says, I, I can't take it because of my religious belief. Obviously, HR, you do have to go down the religious accommodation process. The religious accommodation process, you do have to ask, okay, why? Oh, because I belong to XYZ religious organization. And part of our beliefs is that we can't take any kind of medicine. We can't do anything like that. Now, normally, under normal circumstances, the, that should be suffice. That should be enough for the employer. Accept that, okay, fine. Who are we to say no? You're not a part of that, that, that religious group. We, we can't say that, right? So they provide some kind of documentation, fine. Where I think you're going to fall into trouble is if you don't, you as the employer do not believe the organization. I mean, assuming you don't believe the employee. Has, has, a, has an objective basis. An Which, objective basis for questioning either the religious nature or the sincerity of a particular belief. That's, okay, so that's my, really broad, dude. So let's say, okay, so my objective basis is that I believe you're full of shit. Boom, done. All right, there's the objective basis. So now you're going to ask them these questions. If you do not ask other people those same questions, you are now uh, putting yourself in a position that you have to defend yourself legally for religious discrimination. You've got to be careful with that. Do you, so then, do you have like a religion litmus test that you ask like deep questions about like explain the <laughs> dreidel and how many sides it has? Like where, where do you draw that line? Well, here's the thing. You don't, right? Somebody can come in tomorrow and say that they believe in the Jedi religion and they have to meet Master Yoda every Friday. So every Friday they can't work. I can't say no to that. I can't say who am I to say that's not real. Right? <laughs> Anybody can go to the state and register the Jedi religion and actually practice. And anybody can make up their own religion. Okay, the but only- but as an employer, if you have a objective basis for questioning either the religious nature or the, the religious nature or okay. the sincerity of a particular belief. So, like, is there a qualifying clearinghouse where you have a comprehensive list that says these are approved religions? <laughs> oh, my God. God help you. God help you if you are involved in a lawsuit. And during the discovery phase, the attorneys find those documents. What is this? This is a list. No, these are approved religions that we are about that we can't deny. <laughs> and then that's it. That will land you in trouble. HR folks, business leaders, do not do that. That will land you in trouble. Don't have a list. However, if you if here's here's where I say you can object. If the employee who's asking for Friday off because they go to church on that Friday, right? And you just happen to know. You got video evidence on Facebook, on Instagram, that that person is never at any kind of a church. And you can use that to question it. Then you're going to have to answer, how did you come in, in, in possession of these videos, right? But let's go back. Let's go back to the, uh, to, yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. Casey so when you personally go on social media and you're grilling your steaks, drinking your liqueur in the backyard, petting mm-hmm. your dog, and you say, I'm at church. You've now, <laughs> you're you're now providing you're providing yourself a basis for 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 your own religion. I I presume that that could be my sincerely held belief. My church sessions is in my backyard with my dog with a nice uh, scotch. 
um, in the crisp air making steaks. That could be my sincerely held religious belief, so long as I do it every Friday and so long as an organized religion that I'm able to be, quote unquote, a part of. Nobody can question that. Well, what if your religion <laughs> just so happens to do this only quarterly? <laughs> well, then I only need a Friday off every one, once a quarter then. All right. Fair enough. That's fair what enough. I would do. Yeah. But you know what? Here's it's I would look. I'm not an attorney. I'm sure attorneys would say the same thing. And if you'll see something different, please feel free to come on and just correct me. But if if I were you employers, um, I would not question the uh, the nature of the religious accommodation request. I would just go ahead and honor it. Now, you are going to get to the point because people are going to talk. You are going to get to the point that other people are going to say, well, I have one, too. I have one, too. You have to accommodate them to, until you reach to the point that you are now can no longer do so because you can't conduct business. Therefore, that creates a hardship for the organization. You have to wait till you get to that point. My personal advisement on case six here would be consult your employment labor attorney because we aren't them. We're not them. But I'm just giving you my opinion and my opinion only. Yeah, I'm, I'm calling the lawyer. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I like you, man, but you know. Okay, K7. K7 for you coming back out. K7, what happens if an employer cannot exempt or provide reasonable accommodation to an employee who cannot comply with a mandatory vaccine policy because of a disability or sincerely held religious practice or belief dated 12-16 of 2020? So that depends on the job. It states here, if an employee cannot get vaccinated, for COVID-19, because of a disability or sincerely held religious belief, practice, or observance, and there is no reasonable accommodation possible, then it would be lawful for the employer to exclude the employee from the workplace. This does not mean the employer may automatically terminate the worker. Employers will need to determine if any other rights apply under EEO laws or other federal, state, and local authorities. That is the end of case seven. So excluding the employee from the workplace, some people may not be familiar with that, Rick. Go ahead. It depends on the job, right? So I'm going to give you two scenarios. Let me go back to that call center environment. You have to take a step back as to why there is a, a, a regulation, a policy that everybody has to have that vaccine. Why do everybody has to have it? Because there's a pandemic. How is the pandemic? How do you catch that, that, uh, that uh, um, illness? Oh, when you're in contact with people, it's okay, fine. If you work at, at a call center and you bring up that, um, that accommodation request, no problem. You don't have to take that vaccination, but you have to work from home. And that the, is an accommodation. the definition of exclude here on the EEOC side states, if there is a direct threat that cannot be reduced to an acceptable level, the employer can exclude the employee from physically entering the workplace. But this does not mean that the employer may automatically terminate the worker. Employers will need to determine if any other rights apply under EEO laws, federal, state, or local authorities. If an employer excludes an employee based on an inability to accommodate a request to be exempt from a vaccination requirement, the employee may be entitled to accommodations such as performing the current position remotely. Ricky, you were right. This is the same step that employers take when physically excluding employees from a work site due to current COVID-19 diagnosis or symptoms. Some workers may be entitled to telework, if not, may be eligible to take leave under the Family's First Coronavirus Response Act, under the FMLA, or under the employer's policies. Now, it could be, it's, that last part would apply if we use the same situation that we just spoke about, 
to an, an emergency room? What if the employee is, a, is an ER doctor and her job is just to go ahead and why, why are you smiling? You've like read that? this. You've already read this. Oh, no, no, I haven't. That's on there, too. My gosh, this is why you have so many post nominals. They don't say emergency room, but they say see also section J EEO rights related to pregnancy. So what well, no, what does that got to do? <laughs> well, people have babies in emergency rooms sometimes. No, I, they, they do, but that's not what I meant, right? What I meant was if you're as an employee, if you're a doctor, but then your 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 religious affiliation says you can't have any shots, any any vaccines, anything like that, and you ask for a religious accommodation not to take that vaccine, well, obviously you can't perform your job from home. Your job it requires you to be within six feet of another human being, so they can't just accommodate that. Right. Unless they have a position for you behind the scenes, filing paperwork, managing other processes where you're not in contact with other people and possibly contaminate them or vice versa, then they may have to place you on the leave because they just it would be too much of a hardship not to have you in that position to put you on a leave and uh, until everything blows over. But it, now the other piece is it doesn't have to be for an employee to say, I don't want that shot. It doesn't have to be a religious issue. You just mentioned that. What if they're pregnant? Right. We I I honestly have the researchers enough to know what kind of an issue that might create for for a baby. Um, but I'm pretty sure that they will be exempt as well. But the same situations apply. What if the pregnant person was the ER doctor or working at a call center? Those two situations will be handled differently depending on the job. So common sense, folks, common sense will take you a long way. Policies help, but they should be driven by common sense. Ricky, 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 do you want to do K-8 or do you want to leave it alone? No, you might as well go. All you right. Well go. We are this deep. We're going to keep going forward. I think Hello. I think your headphone volume's up really high because I'm hearing myself slap back through your oh. microphone. I, I don't know how high your headphones are, but you're going to be deaf after this one. I want to tell you that, brother. I was an artillery, so. I get it. K-8 is Title II of Gina implicated when an employer administers a COVID-19 vaccine to employees or requires employees to provide proof that they've received a COVID-19 vaccination dated 12-16. No. There's three more paragraphs after that. Do you want to hear more? <laughs> sure. Okay, sure. I'll keep reading. Admin no. <laughs> administering a Well, that's how it starts. It just says no, period. Administering a COVID-19 vaccination to employees or requiring employees to provide proof that they have received a COVID-19 vaccination does not implicate Title II of GINA because it does not involve the use of genetic information to make employment decisions or the acquisition or disclosure of genetic information as defined by the statute. This includes vaccinations that use messenger RNA technology, which will be discussed more coming up momentarily. As noted in question K-9, however, if administration of the vaccine requires pre-screening questions that ask about genetic information, the inquiries seeking genetic info, such as family members' medical histories, may violate GINA. Under Title II of GINA, employers may not use, may not, one, use genetic information to make decisions related to the terms, conditions, and privileges of employment. Two, Acquire genetic information except in six narrow circumstances or three. Disclose genetic information except in six narrow circumstances. 
Certain COVID-19 vaccines may use mRNA technology. And this raises questions about genetics and specifically about whether such vaccines modify a recipient's genetic makeup and therefore whether requiring an employee to get the vaccine as a condition of employment is an unlawful use of genetic information. Makes logical sense when you you hear it out that way. Now, the CDC has explained that the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines do not interact with our DNA in any way. And mRNA never enters the nucleus of the cell, which is where our DNA, our genetic material, is kept. You lost me. They provide a link to that information about a detailed discussion on how mRNA vaccines work. Thus, requiring employees to get the vaccine, whether it uses mRNA technology or not, does not violate Gina's prohibitions on using, acquiring, or disclosing genetic information. Had this pandemic not been such a big issue right now, this question, this time a year ago, we would say absolutely not. We should not require anybody or anything to provide any kind of documentation uh, to 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 show that you did or did not take any kind of a uh, of a vaccination. Right. Um, But you know what, though? Here's the thing. I'm glad that they said that um, that would not be a violation. Did you see what happened yesterday? No. The vice me. president, the vice president of the United States, got his shot uh, live on television in front of everybody. Oh, yeah. In front of everybody. And yeah. And I was I was I was listening to this on the radio when I was taking my son to school. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. They asked him a lot of personal medical questions in front of everybody. <laughs> They asked him, do you have any blood clots? Do you have this? Do you have that? They even asked him if you were pregnant or breastfeeding. <laughs> did they really? <laughs> everybody. Yeah, they did. And I mean, it, it's I got to chuck a lot of it. He did, too. Everybody did. But then that question came up. I'm like, what? I wonder if he had to sign anything behind the scenes to say, yes, you can ask me these questions in front of everybody, in front of all the cameras rolling. Um, but yeah, now, obviously, what 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 you just read regarding Gina and the EEOC doesn't apply to this because that's not a condition of his employment. He was just doing that that way to show that quote unquote is safe. And I use those quotes just because of my own personal uh, beliefs. But um, it's a I don't think that would be an issue at work. Um, Yes, you can ask for them. I ask for them at the office all the time when somebody gets a test. I'm like, all right, let me see that that test results, because the only thing it shows is you're negative or positive. It doesn't have anything else. It doesn't say whether you have another illness or something else going on. You're giving me, you, the associate, are giving me, the employer, the information I need to verify that you're safe to come back to work. Because my goal is not just to find out what you have or you don't have. My goal here is to prevent any illness spreading from anybody else, any other employees I have in the office. That's my goal. Uh, Yes, may I please speak to Ricky Baez? speaking hey rick uh we haven't seen you around the office lately but we're looking to hopefully get you back sometime soon uh we know that you fled from florida to go get the vaccine somewhere else and hopefully you're vaccinated now can you prove it um why do i need to prove it i'm working from home it doesn't matter we need you in the office and you have to prove it now i we you don't need me in the office i wrote the policy that everybody gets to work from home did that change what happened yes it's changing now, and we need you back in the office. Okay. I, yes, I did get it. Here you go. Hey, thanks. Um, 
we'll get that off the fax machine momentarily because that's something people <laughs> still do in 2020. Um, on top of that, make sure that you pee in the cup and bring your hair samples. Okay, got it. I'll, I will pee in my own cup at home and I'll bring some hair samples. Here you go. <laughs> Love it. See, it's that simple. Now, could an employer actually ask those <laughs> things of you, though? No. No. No, no, no. Well, well wait a minute. They can't ask you to, to a pee degree. in a cup. Well, they can't ask you to uh, to pee in a cup. Not bring your own pee outside in a cup already done. Wait, you have to do wait, it. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. They can't do that. If you can have a ballot mailed to your house that you fill out and mail back in, why can't you mail in your pee? Because they have to ensure you're not mailing in somebody else's pee there, JC. So why didn't we do that for election votes? What does that have to do with this, though? I don't know. Like mailing things. I don't want to mail anything anymore. It's like 2020. Like, can't we just go online and like do something like breathe into your you phone and scratch it twice? I agree with that. I agree with that. If we have technology that can read your face to unlock a freaking phone, why can't you use that same technology to vote? I'm with you 100% there. And just do it. Partner with uh, with Apple, Android, whoever who, whoever it is. Boom, I voted. Well, and or come up with a retina scan test associated with the drug test at the same time. So instead of an actual drug test, it scans your retinas. And then from your retinas, you determine something associated with, like, how messed up you are on, on the uh, heroin or whatever you're doing. Well, you that's know? when Gina you know. comes in, right? <laughs> that's when Ooh. the whole Gina situation comes in. Then like, Listen hey, you. I'm glad you, you voted. I'm glad you voted, but you might want to check with your doctor because according to this, you might be diabetic. Like what? I just want to vote, dude. What are you talking about? I love how you bring Gina into this. Like she's that Italian cousin that's just ready to brain the pain. Do you know what I mean? I just feel bad for people named Gina and Isis. These past 15 years has been horrible for those folks. And Karen this year. I feel bad for Karen's and Kevin's because their names are being used as as as, as a bad curse word. It is. I feel bad. com. HR nightmares before Christmas. Festive oh. challenges and how to combat them. Uh, this article was brought forward via Ricky Baez, the guy with the post nominals. It might be the most wonderful time of the year, but for employers and HR professionals, the lead up to Christmas can be a very stressful period of time. While you want to embrace the spirit of the season with both hands, there's a number of challenges that crop up every year. Like clockwork, which will demand your attention, especially if you don't have hands. So the article continues. Ricky, what the hell was that? I don't know. Break this down. Talk to me about this article. Oh my goodness. Okay, hold on, because I I have a different one in front of me. My thing is, I did okay. want to put okay. that out there. Here it comes. Question one out of the article: What should I do if my employee turns up to work drunk? So you answer it, and then I'll I'll tell you a little bit about what they have written here. Okay, look, um, if the employee turns up to work drunk, that normally isn't a Chris holiday type of situation. That kind, that pretty much happens year-round. And what you need to do as a uh, HR pro or as a business leader uh, with the policies you do have in place is you have to make sure that you are observing what you think you are observing. You can't just accuse somebody of being drunk just because you see them slurring their speech because you never know if they have some kind of medication that they took that causes them to do that. You, you don't know if they just came back from leave and they had some kind of, of a medical condition that causes them to do that. So just by you seeing them slur their speech, it's not enough. Now, 
if you see two or more indicators, slurred speech combined with smell, bloodshot eyes, staggering walk, hand-eye coordination is off, his, they, their performance is dropping. You have to keep it to performance. You have to keep it on how they're acting at work. And once you do that, you send them down for reasonable suspicion testing. And you should have a process in place when you get a cap for them. Don't send them in a car to go get a test <laughs> at the local spot. Get a cab for them. And even then, I don't I do not recommend a manager or somebody else to accompany them. You send them in a cab, you pay for it and you have them come back. Hey man, what and if what if they're just hung over though? Well, it will come out on the test, wouldn't it? Because if they're just hung over, their alcohol should be completely out of the system. It better be out of the system because if we get any trace of alcohol in your system, you showed up to work under the influence, then that may cost you your job. It may cost you your job. So be careful with that. But I've seen situations. And here's the thing, JC. Here's the, and I tell my students this all the time. The first thing you do, the first thing you do when you have a reasonable suspicion situation at the office get a statement. Don't wait until they go home, they think about it, and they recover. You get it right then and there. And one of my students is like, but Ricky, you're drunk. I'm like, what? when a student says that, I tell them that is the perfect time to get a statement. Could you imagine what kind of a statement they'll write when they're drunk out of their minds? <laughs> <laughs> you get it right then and there. I've seen so many HR offices that after it's all done yeah. and they go home, sleep it off, they come back, then they get a statement. No, then that's a that that that's a rehearsed story. You want to get them right then and there. And trust me, I've gotten some do some woozies. I really have, man. So get a statement, send them down for reasonable suspicion testing, and that should cover everything. The second one here. I've caught a few yeah. of my employees online shopping during work time. How can I put a stop to this sort of thing? Um, I w so look. It's it's not a matter of whether they're shopping on the clock. It's a matter of how much time they're spending on websites. Because come on, JC, you and I both know nobody who works in an eight-hour day they work the entire every second of that eight-hour day. A lot of organizations give associates some time to you know go online, check on their kids, check on their email, check on webcams or whatever. So why not do some online shopping as well? The problem comes in when 30% or 40% of your workday is dedicated to online shopping and that's what you have to quell. To just completely shut us down altogether, it's just not going to be a good look. So once again, elliswidham.com Christmas FAQ for employers. They address more issues here like they're facing a really busy period. Can they force employees to work overtime to meet demand? Uh, many employees want time off. How do you deal with requests fairly? And how do you tackle sick time, sick absences? Very nice article. Very great article. I'm not going to read everything out of that for you. But a uh, lot, lot of things to chew on, lots of things to consider. There was another one here from Human Resource Executive. Nine holiday HR issues and how to deal with them. Ricky, over to you for that one. I, I know you brought this one to the table with passion. I did because it's I deal with this every single year and I know every other HR person uh, deals with this as well because you do have different things that do affect outside of a pandemic. You get different um, uh, um, um, issues that affect people's work ethic or people's uh, motivation. Right. One of them is engagements, especially this year, JC. This has been a heck of a year. You Just mean when like you people getting married? Not getting married, their 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 uh, motivation to actually be productive at work. 
engagement in their job, engagement in their craft. Well, right now, they're going to be a lot more engaged, Rick. They really are. But come January, when the new season of Stranger Things comes out, they're gone. You're not going to get them back. You know what I mean? Most of Maury Povich right now is a repeat cycle. You know, it's it is what it is. Well, you know, well, hopefully they're not doing that at work, right? But when, when, you know, with everything happening with the pandemic and people losing their jobs and maybe, you know, uh, uh, loved ones being affected by by this virus, um, you are going to have some some disconnect, right? So keep them motivated. How do you keep them motivated? You offer incentives. Money. There's Money. nothing wrong. And yeah, bro. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's the only reason people go to work, right? It's to pay their bills, to get some money, right? Well, one of the biggest reasons. But you no, start... Uh, dude, some, some people go to work with the intent to find love. Maybe they want a new relationship. So they, they go to work and they find the love of their life. Oh, uh, folks, if there's anybody out there who their sole motivation of going to work is to find the love of their life, please reach out to us. We would love to have you as a well, guest. What's, what's a better yeah. place? Hang on a second. Let's talk about that. Where's a better place? Wawa, Walmart, or work? Not One work. of the three W's. Not, <laughs> not work. Why at work? That can, that would okay, okay. Well, why Wawa? What? You go to you go to Wawa to find somebody. You don't go anywhere to find somebody unless it's Tinder or the bar. Depends. Right? Walmart. <laughs> you go find somebody. Walmart. Yeah. You do Wawa. Wow. You never know. Maybe both of you went for that same sandwich and you touch hands. And after you sanitize, you exchange numbers. And next thing you know, you guys are engaged. Hey, they do have a, they do have very good paninis. The paninis are to die for. They really don't. Maybe songs are awesome. Yeah. All right. So what else so, do you got there? All right. So he, so just keep them motivated with incentives. What about people who don't necessarily celebrate Christmas? Because there's a lot of people who don't believe in Christmas and they, and they don't celebrate it. You got to be careful with that because, yeah. You fire them. You do not fire them there, JC. Okay, Thank good. you for okay, telling good. us exactly what not to do. Uh, cause there's, uh, it's you the do only have reason I'm here. here. It's the only reason I'm here. <laughs> really. I love it. I love it. So, um, you want to be able to, you want to be as inclusive and po as possible with everybody. You're going to have your people who will go completely overboard with Christmas. There's Christmas trees all over the place. There's some people who are completely overboard against Christmas. They want to put something other than than a Christmas tree, that's perfectly okay. What you have to ensure everybody does is they respect other people's views and you don't push things in people's faces unnecessarily so they can convert to your religious uh, views or that matter. So let everybody um, express their religious beliefs. Let everybody show how proud they are of what they're exhibiting, but you got to make sure everybody respects each other. I think I've uh, yeah. figured out here while we've been live on the line exactly where the echo is coming from if you take your headphones off real quick take it uh, really we're going to interrupt the show and do this can you hear me coming through like your computer or anything like that right now no wow it's it's a weird slapback loop and it's actually going to show up on the recording I'm, I'm curious where it's coming from you know if you're into the podcasting technology thing it like really doesn't make sense where it's coming from we're going to get this one figured out and sorted out for later on okay so back to your list your list of lovely things that happen here uh you talked about paid time off, treating people fairly, uh, decisiveness. What about extended leave? A little bit of extra time off around the holidays. How do you deal with that? Ah, you know what? If you work for Amazon, that is not happening. <laughs> uh, <if> you, <laughs> that is not happening, brother. As a matter of fact, 
Uh, the opposite can happen. You mentioned earlier, can they force you to work overtime? If the job calls for it, absolutely. I happen to know that Amazon does, uh, does force uh, associates to work a minimum of 50 hours a week, every week, anytime after Thanksgiving, all the way to the beginning of January. So God help you if you want to ask for some kind of leave. Now, if you work for an organization that traditionally takes, uh, you know, just takes more time off at the end of the year, for example, a university or a college or a home improvement company that where nobody, that that's their slowest time. Go ahead and take time off. If your business can, can support it, the, the time being off, give it to them. Give them that time. Have to spend some time with, with the family. But again, it really does depend on the organization. And if you do it, you got to make sure that you are you are even in your administration of the leaves or lack thereof. So you got to make sure you're being consistent. That's what you do. It also said something in the article here about gifts. What, what about gifts? <laughs> so... So here's the thing, right? Um, I'm about to participate on Monday night, right? I'm about to participate on the gift gift exchange program. And you're going to have some some rules with that. You got to make sure. <laughs> I laugh because I can see some people, somebody buying like Michael Scott. Uh, I remember that episode of The Office where they were doing a gift exchange program. And they're like, all right, no more than $20. He shows up with an iPod. People are fighting over that iPod, and he says he bought it for forty bucks uh, off of somebody, but it was a brand new sealed in the box iPod. It was a, <laughs> a hilarious episode. So you got to make sure that people maintain keep within those boundaries as far as price is concerned, right? Because you are going to make some people feel some kind of way if somebody gets, uh, I don't know, a brand new iPad Air, the latest edition that costs twelve hundred dollars, and the person next to you gets some crappy socks. Right. You got to make sure that it's even keel and you got to make sure it's not offensive. It's not offensive. Right. If there's somebody out there that has B.O., don't give them a book that says how to get rid of B.O. in the office. It's not funny. <laughs> it kind of is, but it's not funny. It's not a good gift to give. So you got to make sure that whatever you do, this policy is driven to, to make sure it's equitable and you got to make sure that it's uh, it's not insulting. For anyone that doesn't think that our show doesn't talk about human resources today was a heavy hr show it really was you know we've gotten that feedback lately we've got that feedback rick that people say you know we listen to you guys but not all the time because you make too much fun out of stuff and and you're not giving us hardcore hr things and and we read a book about this and we want to i love those things and people write very good books very great books but you know what you gotta have fun with life a little bit right thank you absolutely you know what I appreciate that feedback, but I'm not going to change anything on the show. I love how we do it. I love being different. I love the casual conversation we have. Uh, it, I enjoy it, right? And the second I stop enjoying it is when we start doing, getting really, really heavy into just HR policies and procedures, and there's no fun and there's no authenticity behind it. In 2021, we will have our special Title V11 episode. It'll be five hours long as we read it verbatim. For the first section. It is time for current events. Current events this week brought to you in part by all the things that you shouldn't do at work during your holiday Christmas party. Ricky, thanks for highlighting all that stuff and ruining the fun for everyone. Thick, (laughs) thick little Brit on TikTok. This is Brittany. 
How may I help you? Hey, uh, I sent my resume to you and I never heard back from you. I am so sorry. I typically answer pretty quickly. When did you send it? I don't remember, like yesterday or the day before. Give me one second. Let me check my email. Uh, Sharon, you sent it to me last night, less than 12 hours ago. I've been at my desk for 13 minutes. And Sharon, this is not a 24 hour service. Okay, well, I expect to hear from you in a timely manner when I send my resume. I apologize that you had to wait 13 minutes. Um, let's go ahead and go over it, shall we? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm glad that it's not Karen or Kevin. Now there's a new name out there. It's Sharon, Sharon now. <laughs> Sharon. <laughs> Man, I do get those. I do get those when people send in applications or resumes and like literally, literally like two hours prior to it's like, I just haven't heard anything. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know there's like 80 people in front of you. I promise I will get to it. I have a policy that my team responds within 24 hours, whether we have an answer or not. Somebody will be in touch with you. Thank you very much. I appreciate your patience. Yeah. Imagine being on the other side of that spectrum where you sent it in and you just never hear anything at all. And see, so you know what? They, and then later on, you get notification that your information was stolen from their applicant tracking system database. <laughs> and now you've got to get like identity theft protection because all you tried to do was apply for a job get with a job with with an organization doing HR. You know what I mean? It's it's amazing. Well, notice what I said at the end of my uh, uh, of my comment there. My policy is that we respond within 24 hours, whether we have an answer or not. That way, there's acknowledgement of receipt of your of, of your document, and it's being reviewed. Above and beyond that, if we're not going to select you, and you are already in the interview process, and you are the the uh, the uh, final three, I do give feedback as to why you was not selected. It's all part of branding, and it's all part of the complete candidate experience that is a positive one and people need to think about that more your next story takes a look at history history across a long span of time these are the top five things that happened this week it's confirmed there was fraud in this year's 2020 election DNI Ratcliffe, the leader of the 17 intelligence agency, says that there was foreign election interference by Iran, China, and Russia. Ratcliffe says the U.S. government is ready to go public with this information in January. The CEO of Pfizer, you know, the place that's giving the world vaccines, says he's not taking the vaccine because he doesn't want to cut in line. You better wear a mask around Tom Cruise. That wasn't timeless history. That was a different clip. That was Top 5 Friday from Top 5 Friday on TikTok. That was not the clip that was meant to be played, but it played. So Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, freaking out a little bit. Would, uh, give me your thoughts on that one. All right. So I'm assuming this happened in California. I did read about this. <laughs> he needs to be careful. California has some pretty heavy employee-leaning laws when it comes to hostile work environment. Now, I, I, I applaud him for holding people accountable 
um, I would have done it differently, right? Uh, because he just started yelling at people, and and you heard that. You heard him say, "You're fired," and you go going. Uh, do, it, do it again. You're fired. Do it again. You're fired. Yeah. You do it again. You're freaking fired. I don't know if that's what he said because uh, uh, it sounded really far. You're in Buffalo, and I'm here. So um, yeah, it, it's a uh, I I. I would have done it a little bit different, but I, I do applaud his effort. If you heard the entire clip, because I, I heard it yesterday, he starts off calm, right? <laughs> and then towards the end is when he gets like that, and he starts just completely going off on everybody. Folks, don't do that at work. Do not do that at work. That is the easiest way for you to get a, in a um, hostile environment, uh, lawsuits. Just, just, just don't do that. You know what? If I have to find a silver lining, he did it to everybody and not some people and not others. So at least he's not being discriminatory about it. Good job, Tom Cruise. Now time for your history facts. Things that will get you thinking about time in a different way. These are seven facts that may change your perception of time. Number one, George Washington died in 1799. The first dinosaur fossil was found in 1824. Therefore, George Washington never knew dinosaurs existed. Number two, Marilyn Monroe and Queen Elizabeth were born in the same year. They met one time here at a movie premiere for the Battle of the River Plate in 1956 when they were both 30 years old. Number three, this is Harriet the Tortoise. She died in 2006. At one point in her life, she had seen Charles Darwin. Number four, Oxford University existed for hundreds of years before the founding of the Aztec Empire in 1428. Number five, woolly mammoths were still around when the Egyptians were building the pyramids. Number six, the fax machine was invented in the same year, 1843, as the first wagon that crossed the Oregon Trail. Number seven, John Tyler, America's 10th president, was born in 1790 and has a living grandson. Woolly mammoths were still around when the pyramids were built. Mind blown. I don't know how that makes me look at time different. So George Washington died before he knew dinosaurs existed. He so never knew dinosaurs existed. A lot of people died before the invention of the iPhone and we were able to do FaceTime. So, I mean, what's the point? Just imagine how many people didn't know time travel existed before they died. <laughs> or before they saw back to the future. Yeah, right. Documentary. Yeah, right. All right. This, uh, this article right here is coming from the independent.co.uk. There's a oh. iPhone hack that could let people take control of Apple devices without even touching them. Now, iPhones and other Apple devices were open to a hack that would allow somebody to take control of their device from a distance, according to researchers. The issue has allegedly been fixed, and there's no evidence that it was ever used. But until March of this year, it would have been theoretically possible to gain almost complete access to a device by using the hack, according to Google researcher Ian Beer. He found that an attacker would potentially be able to read private messages, look through photos, and even spy on the phone's owner through its camera and microphone, and then ask it to call telephone numbers at 2 in the morning, as well as call 911 if need be. That part's um, not of the article. I just added the things that happened to you and me in your living room. Okay, I was going to say, I'm like, um, wait a minute. <laughs> That happened here. Okay, so that's not in so, there. So it. the guy, the Google researcher, said that he had found a way to not only exploit the protocol, but also to turn it on and off. So that even if devices that were normally protected against the exploit 
they would then be affected by it be, by being able to turn it on and off. There's there's so much going on. Everyone says that the iPhones are unhackable. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of a lot of crazy stuff happening over the past week. My own sister said it the other day. She goes, Jimmy. I'm like, what's that? She goes, I've got the iPhone. I don't have to worry about any hacks or viruses. I'm like, you're living in a fantasy land. It doesn't exist that way. Am I right? No, look, I am I am a diehard Apple fan. And let me tell you, the iPhone is definitely hackable. It's 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 harder than most, but it's it's not impossible. One of the main reasons why I bought a Mac for the first time in 2006 is because uh, at that time, there were no virus that can penetrate the Mac. Now that's different. Now there's viruses that can go anywhere. Um, yeah, so um, it is not impossible. It is definitely doable. Again, just common sense to make sure you're not clicking on the wrong things and uh, get some nasty stuff downloaded. Your last current event story for the week comes to us from eOnline.com. Written by Corrine Heller. The Cosby Show's Keisha Knight Pulliam is officially engaged, ladies and gentlemen. She is officially engaged to believe it. None other than Bill Cosby. Brad James. Keisha Knight Pullum, one of the stars of the 80s sitcom The Cosby Show and a mother of one, announced on Wednesday, December 16th, that she is now engaged to her partner, Brad James. The actress, best known for playing Rudy Huxtable on The Cosby Show from 84 to 92, announced on her Instagram page Wednesday that she is engaged to actor Brad James. Keisha is 41. Uh, she posted a photo of herself with her new fiancé and her daughter, Ella, at an engagement dinner. She officially said yes. She wrote, I love you at Mr. Brad James. It's my favorite photo from our magical engagement dinner. My desire is a lifetime and beyond filled with love and family. My heart is so filled with joy. So excited to continue to choose each other and our family every day. Now, Brad, who's 36 years old, posted the same photo on his own Instagram page, writing boats and ships are safe in harbor. But that's not why they're built. Hitting the waters with my Keisha Knight Pulliam. Engaged. Keisha and Brad began dating in 2019 after meeting on the TV set of the movie Pride and Prejudice Atlanta, people reported. Are you serious right now? That article that article is from eonline.com. Wow. For people who don't know. Uh, yeah, Brad James is an aspiring actor who served with JC and I in the Marine Corps. He's not an aspiring actor. He's a well-accredited actor. He's a very good actor. He's a good oh, friend. I'm he's sorry. a great guy. He's not aspiring. He's he's I, real I, deal. I, I don't mean to diminish. My bad. Wow, dude. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, but that's pretty cool. Wow. I did not know that. What movie has he been in? Whole bunch. Go ahead. Look him up on the IMDb. Don't you put this on me right now, Ricky Bias. Well, you're the one saying it. IMDb is that still around? Yes, it's oh, still okay. around. It's still a big thing, actually. Got it. Okay. Wow, that is actually pretty cool. Can you imagine growing up watching that show, and next thing you know, you end up engaged to uh, one of the uh, kids of that show. That's like, actually pretty like cool. Alyssa Milano for so many others. Like you still have a future, Rick. You could do this. Oh, Alyssa Milano. Yeah. You know what? I I had a crush on Punky Brewster growing up. What happened to her? If you still around, Punky, call me. It's time for Florida Man Stories. 
Florida Man Stories, your favorite segment that you love to hate. Back right before the close of the year. We do actually have one more episode this year to round things out, and we've got a very special guest next week that we'll be talking with. Uh, We'll be teasing that a little more as the week goes by. NewYorkDailyNews.com. A suspected burglar was killed over the weekend when the window of a home he was trying to break into slammed down on him and kept him hanging by the neck until he unfortunately died, according to authorities. Jonathan Hernandez, 32 years old, was unfortunately already dead when deputies arrived at the scene Saturday in Lehigh Acres, about 15 miles east of Fort Myers, according to the Lee County Sheriff's Office. Lieutenant Russell Park, a spokesman for the Sheriff's Office, said in a video briefing Monday that the convicted felon was indeed trying to work his way through the window when it unexpectedly closed on top of him and pinned him, keeping him suspended in midair for an unknown amount of time. Park also said Hernandez is no stranger to law enforcement, noting that he was arrested in 2014 for his alleged involvement in a murder case. Park did not provide details. Hernandez's fiance Patricia Duarte, said the family is surprised by the latest allegations and does not believe he was breaking into the home. Soon as I got there, I'm like, there's no way. This isn't what happened, she told the local TV station. I just need something to be done right away. I need a proper investigation, she said. I need the actual truth to come to light. The Major Crimes Division of the Lee County Sheriff's Office is currently leading the investigation. JC, I'm not one to celebrate somebody's death. I'm not one to, yeah, to to just say good for him, right? But I can't stand thieves. I cannot stand thieves at all. So you know what? Poetic justice, straight up. You know, it's you know what? If you were not busy going around breaking into people's houses, you'd be alive right now. So kudos to the window. Seriously, I may get some flack for this, whatever, but I can't stand thieves. And um, I guess he got what was coming to him. But what I want to know is what kind of a window is that? How heavy was that window to hold him like that and actually do the kind of damage that it did? That's what I want to see. There was a part in the article that says the man's family disputes the account saying Hernandez was not a burglar or a bad person. But then it goes on to say that he was what? A uh, suspect in a murder investigation. Did the fiance ask for a third investigation in that investigation for the, for his involvement in that murder investigation? I'm sure she didn't ask for that. Right. So, you know what? Florida man story. Way to live it up. Hopefully this, I, the company that made those windows really need to take this opportunity and make a commercial. This is literally theft deterrent windows. <laughs> you don't need any kind of uh, alarm system. Just get these windows. Look at what it did to this guy. Hey, with that being said, that does wrap up our uh, current events and Florida man segment. Ricky, over to you for some of your final thoughts before we head to a close on the episode today. Way to segue. Uh, final thoughts. Um, it's it's This is the second to last show of the year. Um, look, I keep saying it every show, um, last show I did talk about donations, things you can do, even, even the slightest help, the slightest help, either donations, your time, your services, uh, see if you can just, it's pull anything out of your back to help somebody else in need in your community. Don't forget about the people who work with you, work for you, and you work 
for. At the end of the day, they are part of your extended professional family, and you got to make sure that all of your people are as well taken care of as it possibly can be that you can actually do as a leader. This pandemic hit us hard, um, and and it's just just really take the time to look around and count all the areas in which you're lucky or AKA blessed uh, because not everybody gets to do that. So think about that. Um, and if you can help uh, somebody in need, go ahead and dish out that helping hand. I'm going to reach forward past the holiday to next weekend with my final thought right here. A little bit of a tease regarding uh, next week's show, Rick. Is it okay? Absolutely, bro. Go ahead. So next week. We are about to have a guest back on the program. We haven't had a guest in a few weeks, and this is going to be a very special guest, a strong woman who is the consummate culmination of her entire life story. She has a passion and desire to help others and is channeling that into an endeavor to inspire other women. She's a mother, an artist, a professional, and a teacher. Her private business helps women look amazing while not breaking the bank as well. She's got an amazing origin story that she is willing to share and further discuss. So it truly is going to be a choose-your-own-adventure path come next week, Rick. So much to get into with this Florida woman, not originally from Florida, with so much more to reveal. Her name and promo on that will be coming out next week. That's right. Ricky Byers. <laughs> What are some of the best ways people can reach us, sir? We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. We are on the Tiki Taki, a great contributor to the show. Any social media aspect that where you get your information from or even the podcast itself and your favorite podcast outlet. Give us a like. Give us a share. Let us know how you really feel about us. And we will love some ideas for future shows. Let us know. On behalf of Ricky Baez, associate producer Rob. It's Rob D. Bass, right? <laughs> Rob! We want to thank you very much for being uh, part of the program. Sourcing content, bringing things forward. Associate producer Rob, associate producer Rob, and associate producer Rob. With associate producer Rob, accompanied by co-host Ricky Baez, GC, and on behalf of associate producer Rob, drive safe. Have a good night. Sanka is not real coffee. It might be. Let's ask associate producer Rob.